sa Alabao. It's the What's It All About show with your host, Al Roberts. Let's get ready to rumble! How's everyone doing? Um, morning, good evening, good night, whatever time you're listening to this. Um, yeah, welcome to the uh, What's It All About MMA show with me, Al Roberts. Uh, this is episode 34. Um, yeah, this week's been a bit of a mad one. Um, apologies for not having a show on Monday. Um, I was working Sunday and Monday pretty much right, right through the day. I didn't have a chance to record it, basically. Um, so... If you listen to this, it's probably Thursday. You're even listening to the 1 p.m. show or the 11 p.m. show. Either way, hope you've all had a great week. I uh, hope you're all about to have a great weekend, etc. Um, yeah, I hope everyone's doing all right. I hope everyone's keeping well. Um, yeah, fuck. It's it's a simple one this week. It really is. There's a few topics that we're going to hit in, hit onto, and Jesus Christ, there's there's shit to talk about. Like there really is. Um, just want to say a massive thanks to JMA Radio, as always, for uh, giving me this platform. Um, big shout out to Timmy's Bar and Kitchen as well. Um, Timmy's Bar and Kitchen have just launched a shop. Please go go have a look at it. Go buy some bits and pieces. Um, the website is timmysbarandkitchen.shop. Go on there, check it out. Um, also, they're open for takeaways and deliveries, so go and treat yourself to some uh, delicious vegan cuisine. But uh, yeah, uh, this week, it's a simple one. We're talking about the obvious the obvious things this week. Um, the big one is going to be the fight night just gone on Saturday. Um, and quite frankly, Max Holloway's performance is obviously going to be the pinnacle of that conversation. Uh, we'll, oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of branch-offs from that conversation I want to really go into as well. Um, we're also going to be talking about Khabib. And the announcement this week, give my thoughts on that. It, it's a strange one, to be honest. I don't feel like we're in much of a different predicament than we were. Um, then we're going to talk about UFC 57 this Saturday. Huge fight card, huge, huge event. Obviously, we've got the um, the notorious Conor McGregor fighting Dustin Poirier in their rematch from um, their first match was like, what, six years ago? So huge, huge implications behind that fight. I'm going to talk about the other fights I'm excited about on that card. And also going to talk about um, how we finally got a date for Cameron Usman defending his welterweight title against Gilbert Burns. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, this week's going to... Um, I'm excited as fuck. I'm not going to lie. I'm really excited to talk about a lot of these things. Um, I think this, this week has been a whirlwind of news and performances. And ah, it's been it's been sick, to say the least. So yeah, let's just dive right into it and get get down to uh, this weekend's fight night that's just passed this Saturday gone. 
So this weekend gone, uh, we are back in Fight Island for UFC. Uh, another string of events that they're doing from Abu Dhabi. Um, oh, I don't even know where to start. This card was mint. Like it was, it was such a good, especially the main card. The main card was amazing. It really was. Um, you know what? The prelim, the prelims were just straight decisions, but there was some ab, there was a couple of really good fucking wars on that on that prelim card. But the main card is where we're going to start, and we're going to start with the absolute man of the hour, which is Max fucking Holloway. Jesus Christ! Um, if you didn't go see this, if you didn't see this main event at the weekend, um, I know the likes of BT Sport put highlights up of it. Uh, there's plenty of clips on YouTube of various various moments during the fight. I'd, I'd tell anyone, if whether you're a fight fan or not, whether you're really really a hardcore fan of, of uh, combat sports or not. This is one of those fights and performances that will make you addicted to this sport. I guarantee it. I always say with this sport, it's with MMA, it's one of those things where I think there's a lot of people who like it and enjoy watching the odd fight. But every so often you see a moment, a performance that makes you go, what the fuck? And you chase, you chase seeing that again. And this is one of those delightful fucking moments in which Max Holloway just shone out. He was, he just, oh my God. It, it, I can't say enough, like I pretty much, I put a post up the other day saying pretty much this episode was going to be me fanboying over Max Holloway. It wasn't wrong. Like I, I've been talking to people about this all fucking week. Like I, I, I've had friends message me who aren't really into MMA message me. That's when you know it's a pinnacle fight, a pinnacle performance. When I have friends of mine who don't really watch a lot of MMA messaging me about a certain performance or moment like this. Max Holloway put an absolute beating on Calvin Cater. I called I called this fight early this week where I said I figured Max Holloway would take the decision. I thought genuinely it would be a lot more close contested fight. Calvin Cater is no fucking joke at featherweight. He's no fucking joke. He's easy. I've said that he probably has some some of the, if not the best boxing in that division. And Max Holloway proved me very fucking wrong on the weekend. Max Holloway boxed up Calvin Cater at his own game. I don't even know where to start. This was a, a five-round domination. The biggest thing I took from this, um, I talked about this, I believe, like last week or so. Max Holloway's fights start, he ups, he ups his tempo as the fight goes on. So those first couple of rounds, he's gonna he's gonna put a pace on you and work, sort of work out almost. And then in that third, fourth, and fifth round, he's gonna go, he's gonna up that tempo the more you slow down. He didn't do that in this fight. He started from the fucking bell. He started at his at his pace that he normally goes at three, four, and five in those in those later rounds. He started at that pace. He started at hundred mile an hour. And just started going at Calvin Cater. It was, it was. The, I don't think there's going to be many people who beat that performance this year. Christ, I hope they do. I hope we have a year, an absolute epic year of MMA this year. But my God, he has set the fucking benchmark high with this performance. Jesus Christ! Like he just went a hundred mile an hour from round one to round five and just pasted Calvin Cater all over that ring. Now, do not get me wrong. Calvin Cater must be. Easy, one of the toughest people in MMA, never mind the world, to take the shots he did, to take the fucking pace 
that Holloway put on him. Kelvin Cater maybe got rocked in three or four moments in this in this fight where I, even I was like, he's going down at any second. And he stood in there and he stayed in there and he was still swinging back. I think the pinnacle of this, the highlight, the true, well, the main highlight, because there were a lot of fucking highlights in this fight. The main highlight is definitely Max Holloway talking to the commentary team, looking at the commentary team while punching Calvin Cater and dodging Calvin Cater's punches. If you've not seen the clip, go on YouTube and search it. Go on fucking BT Sport. It's on there. Go on Facebook and search it. It is something to behold. Like, to have... To be stood there in front of an, a fucking dangerous, dangerous boxer and basically not looking at him, dodging the punches and at the same time landing is just something special. Fuck. Like, it's just, you have to see it to believe it. It's it's one of them where, like, it's that whole thing. I've always, I've always been on the fence of who the greatest featherweight of all time is. I've always been on the fence because I'm such a big Aldo fan and I'm I'm a big, a massive, massive Max Holloway fan, more so than ever after this last weekend. But you've got to, like, is there anyone better than Max Holloway at featherweight? Now, I know you can throw out there he's lost his last two fights um, against Volkanovski, but the first fight he lost, I'll, I'll give it that. I, I generally think that Volkanovski really, really beat him. That second fight, I had Max Holloway getting robbed. I thought Max Holloway won that fight. Now, I'll come on for what, what I believe is next for Max Holloway in a couple of minutes. Don't get me wrong. I think I think he's just put that whole fucking division on notice and let them know that, quite frankly, he's not he's not slacking off. He's not going anywhere. And it's, it's a very high fucking possibility that that belt is coming back to Max Holloway sooner or later. Um yeah, I think it's quite a simple... The big question, obviously, you've got to ask is what's next for Max Holloway? Um, we're in a bit of a predicament with that. Um, because you've got Brian Ortega, who is fighting Alexander Volkanovsky uh, for the featherweight title. Uh, Volkanovsky being the, the featherweight champion now. Um, that's in March. That's not for a couple of months. That's March 27th. Now... Now, they've got to ask the question, what does Max do in, in between that? Because if Ortega fights Volkanovski end of March, um, it's going to be at least another three or four months before one of them gets back in. So you're looking at March, April, May, June. It's going to be, say, July to be safe. So what does Max Holloway do for excuse me, uh, six, six odd months? Knowing Max Holloway, he'll, he'll want to get a fight in. Now... I don't even know where to start with that because, I mean, who who does he fight at featherweight, really? Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, so basically he's definitely got to get the title shot. There's no there's no two ways about that. He's got to get the title shot against the winner of that. But does he take another fight in between? Now, knowing Max Holloway, I think he will. Now, you've got to look at the rankings at featherweight at the moment. It's it's a it's a murderous row in that division. I genuinely think featherweight's up there with the most competitive and dangerous divisions in the UFC by a good shout as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. It's a tough one to look at. Um, I'm just looking at uh, the featherweight rankings at the moment, and yeah, it's 
there's a lot of fucking, a lot of very good fighters in there. A lot of very good fighters. Um, now, you've got Max's number one contender without trying. Ortega's fighting Volkanovski next. You've got Zabit, who hasn't fought in a year. You've got Yair Rodriguez, who's on suspension. So that takes out the pretty much the top four. Chan Sung Young coming off a loss to Ortega. Um, Max always just beat Kelvin Cater, who's ranked number six. You've got Josh Emmett, who's on a killing spree at the minute, who's looking really good. You've got Jeremy Stevens, who's coming off a couple of losses, and for that matter, Holloway's already beat. You've got Arnold Allen, a uh, real UK standout. He's in at number nine. Now, is it... I just don't... I don't really think you gain anything from having Arnold Allen, who's ranked nine, fight Max Holloway, who's ranked one. Um, uh, you've got uh, Sadiq Youssef, who's ranked 10. Dan is fighting Ryan Hall, who's ranked 13. Shane Burgess is out of his fight with Josh Emmett. I think I think it's got to be Josh Emmett, really. Um, that would be my that would be my take on that. Um, I think if Holloway, if if and this is an if Max Holloway might not want to fight before he gets his title shot, so he might want to take that six month off and work on some things. That's fine. But if he's going to fight anyone, I think the only person in there in that mix worth fighting is Josh Emmett. Really. That's about it. That's he's even beat everyone else, or everyone else is uh, tied up with uh, with fights. So yeah, interesting, very interesting. But um, but yeah, we got uh, Volkanovski versus Ortega's at the end of March. Now, it's a simple, it's a simple, it's a simple um, answer. If one of those two gets injured, you've got Max is going to one hundred percent step in there and fight the other. One hundred and ten percent, he would do that. So we've just got to keep an eye on that. But Max Holloway, fuck, like, is there anyone better at featherweight than Max Holloway on the whole of things? I don't think there is. I think that whole division needs to be very fucking careful with what they ask for when they fight Max Holloway, man. But yeah, definitely, um, definitely one of the uh, one of the one of the one of the most uh, impressive performances I've seen in a, in a long, long time, to say the least. Um, just blown away by it. Like I, am, I still am now. Like I still am really, really taken back by it. But yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. But a uh, massive shout out to Calvin Cater, man. Like that guy stood in there for five rounds and got beat on beyond belief. Really took some punishment. Um, never went down. Never got knocked down. Really. Never got taken out and absorbed a serious amount of strikes. Max Holloway broke, I don't even know how many records at the weekend. Um, it's insane, man. Like, it's absolutely insane how many... His output, his uh, striking, his uh, strikes landed, significant strikes landed. Um, control time of the, of the fight was just... Everything was just absolutely dominating in every way. But yeah, like, I'd, I'd love to just sit here and talk about that for the rest of the show, but we do have to move on a little bit, but, so to round it up, Max Holloway, destroyed Kelvin Cater, what does he do next, he's in line for the title, without even trying, like, no one can debate that, does he wait six months, does he wait to see if, um, Ortega or Volkanovski gets injured, or gets COVID, um, or does he take a fight with, the only person I think, who's, who's really in the mix, taking that fight with Josh Emmett. 
that's the only name I can think to throw out there that is worth fighting for Max Holloway in that top sort of eight, really. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Um, but, yeah, Max Holloway, hard, hard to, it's hard to disagree that he's the greatest featherweight of all time. It really is. Like, yeah, unbelievable performance. Scary good. Scary fucking good. Uh, moving on, though, we've got um, the welterweight co-main event. I was, I was super excited for this fight. Um, two two all-time favourites of mine, two veterans, two old-school, not even old-school, just sort of the last gen. These two guys are both from that last generation of fighters that I came up admiring, admiring greatly, and that was Carlos Condor versus Matt Brown. This fight was a weird one, man. Like it, I thought it was going to be a lot of standing kickboxing and all that. A lot of this fight took place on the ground, and it was it was really interesting to see two guys who are known for the kickboxing and striking to have a real interesting little grapple match. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was competitive. Uh, Carlos Condit took the decision, which I, I wasn't mad at. I mean, Matt Brown won the first round. Uh, Condit the second, third round. I think Condit snuck it as well, without a doubt. It was a fair decision. One of the judges had it 30-27 um, to Condit. I have no fucking clue how they decided that Carlos Condit won that first round. I have no idea where they got that from. No clue. Another example of just fucking how MMA judging is an absolute fucking joke. It's a simple, and it's a simple fix, man. Get, get former fighters into the judging, not the athletic commission's fucking boxing judges that they're using, or fucking gymnast judges. Get fucked, quite frankly. Fuck off. Get a load of former fighters, give them a place in the sport, give them a job, and get them judging fights. That's what you want. It's the same with referees. If there's anyone to get in there and ref, get a load of ex-fighters. I know um, Frank Trigg, uh, really um, big UFC veteran, um, he, he's a he's an absolute fucking great ref. Like He's he's took up refing in the uh, past couple of years. He's, I think he's doing a great job as a referee. Um, so yeah, we need we need we need something done with the judges, man. It's a fucking joke. But yeah, Carlos Condit, Matt Brown. This is one of them fights though that Matt Brown's forty, Carlos Condit's thirty-seven. Both have been on very up-down careers in the last sort of two or three years. This fight's been booked to happen three times before before this weekend. If this had happened originally, like four or five years ago, this would have been an all-time classic. I think it's just one of those where. Times passed us by a little bit too quickly, and it was a shame we didn't get to see these two guys go at the peak of their uh, peak of their career. But it is what it is, man. Like it just, yeah. But uh, it was great to see them both fight each other finally, and uh, I thought it was a fun, fun fight to watch. It was competitive, very interesting. I enjoyed it, man. But um, it's, I'm curious to see what's next. I think Carlos Condit's um, contracts just up. I love Carlos Condit. I don't think he's. I don't think I don't know if he's got the capabilities of keeping up with that top ten welterweight division these days. It's a murderer's row. It's a fucking deep division full of a lot of young, hungry, dominant talent. I'm not mad, and I don't mean this in any form of disrespect to Carlos Condit. I'm a huge fan. Does he go to Bellator or PFL? I think so. I think he. I think he could get some. I think he'll get a lot more competitive matches over in. Bellator and PFL than he would in the UFC. Uh, Matt Brown, he's 
that's him on, I think he's two and two in his last four. Can't be mad at that. He's had uh, two knockouts. Then he got knocked out by, oh, Bezea, is it? Um, that young, that up-and-coming Cuban kid who's killing people at the minute. Um, then he's lost a decision to a veteran in Carlos Condit. There's no shame in that. Two and two, you're 40 years old. Does you, He has talked that he might retire. I, I, Matt Brown's that guy I couldn't imagine retiring anytime fucking soon. For that matter, I, it wouldn't shock me if he has one more, if he does. I think if he's going to retire, he's going to go out on one more against a, a sturdy veteran who he can have a war with. Um, love Matt Brown, though. Honestly, do. I've been a massive fan of Matt Brown since, like, 2007. Same with Condit. I've, I've been a fan of Condit since he fought in the WEC when he was champion there. Um, I wish both of them. Honestly, I, I couldn't. They're two of the guys that I've, I've admired over the years. Thoroughly enjoyed all the fights, win or lose. I hope they go on to, like, I hope they go on to do something good, man. Like, whether it be Matt Brown folks on his coffee company and um, retire or, or Carlos Condit. Going over to Bellator. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's very interesting. But I love both those guys, man. It was great to see them compete against each other. Uh, we had, before that, we had another welterweight clash, which was uh, the return of Santiago Ponzinibbio. Now, this was an interesting one because Ponzinibbio has been out for about two years. And um, uh, Li, Li Jing, Liang, <laughs> Jing Liang, uh, aka the leech very dangerous competitor um he KO'd Santiago Ponzinibbio towards the end of the first round I'll be honest if it was ring rust if there's an argument for ring rust this was it Santiago Ponzinibbio looked the most tentative I've ever seen in a fight and normally he's very crash forward and destroy people he seemed so tentative in this fight he seemed off his game and uh Jing Liang fucking took advantage of that and KO'd him with a beautiful hook. Um, it was a great KO, really great KO. Um, Ponzinibbio, before this fight, was on a seven-fight winning streak, a six-fight winning streak with a lot of KOs. And obviously, he's been out for a long time. He had a bone infection and a staph infection. Um, it's a shame. It's a real shame. Like That guy was literally on the cusp of a title shot before he got ill, and then he's came back and then just got... KO'd by um like pretty much an unranked guy, so it's it's a shame, man. But um it's no shame in it the fact that uh the leech is a serious competitor at well at man. He's he's tough as fuck, has serious KO power as well. So Ponzinibbio came back, I think he fought the right level of opponent. I just don't think he was quite ready to get back. I think it's uh it, it's gotta be a tough, tough break going on a killing spree like that, taking two years off due to due to illness, and then coming back and fighting a guy who's uh, pretty adequate. It's a shame. It's a shame for uh, Pontinibio. I'll, I'll be curious to see what he does. I can imagine he's going to dive right back in there, to be honest, and just get back onto it. Uh, then we had, uh, before that, we had another middle, well, sorry, another KO um, at middleweight. This was, uh, I'm going to, I had a bit of a back and forth with a mate of mine about this this week, where, was this a high train derailment? I think it was. And that is uh, uh, Joaquin Buckley um, getting KO'd by Alessio De Chirico. Um, Alessio De Chirico was on a three-fight skid going into this fight. He was he lost his last three fights. Buckley, obviously, is on a two-fight two winning spree. 
with two great KOs, one of which was easy KO of the year last year with that crazy backspinning head kick malarkey. Um, I seen a meme the, the other day which which had a picture of this KO and it was like live by the head kick, die by the head kick, and it was true. Buckley was dropping low. I think he was dropping low to sort of throw heavy shots, like drop his uh, body weight low, like his centre of gravity to throw, for example, uh, large hooks or a large overhand. And Chirico just landed this real sneaky flush head kick over the top and just KO'd Buckley. Just done. Um, great KO. Great, great knockout. Um, Wacken Buckley has been massively hyped since that KO that he got last year. Um of Impa uh, Kanazgane, is it? Um, great, great KO. One of the best KOs you'll ever see. He also had a, a great knockout the other month. Um, and then he's came in here and it seemed like they were just feeding him to Chirico for another highlight knockout. And Alessio to Chirico with a just beautiful head kick knockout, man. It, it was great. Great knockout. Um, Joaquin Buckley back to the drawing board. Um, I'd definitely consider this a hype train getting derailed myself. I really would. Like, I think Buckley's had a lot of hype behind him in his last two fights. But it is what it is. Uh, we had another middleweight fight. Um, this was a really interesting fight, man. Like, I, re I really thought this was quite an interesting fight for the for the wrong reasons, I think. Um, Punahele Soriano. Um, I've seen this guy fight previously, but I couldn't really remember where or when. And he fought uh, Dusko Todorovic. Todorov, Todorovic, that's the one. This guy's really, um, Todorovic was one of those guys who was like really, really hyped coming into this fight. Apparently amazing grappler, etc. Really good jiu-jitsu, really good grappling. Um, and he had this really like flashy, hands down, head movement, dodging punches and really flashy, you know, diving about the ring, uh, diving about the cage and avoiding a lot of strikes. And then Soriano just put, an absolute fucking missile down the pipe and cracked uh, Torodorovic. My God, this and it was downhill from there. Um, Soriano just as soon as he rocked him, it was just a back. And, it was a matter of time before he landed the right combo or the right shots to put him away, which he did first round. Um, it was an interesting fight, man, because Soriano was putting everything on his punches and missing, and he was using a lot of heavy hooks from what I remember. Then he backed up uh, Todorovic and just, boom, down the pipe, smashed his gum shield out. It was beautiful, a real beautiful strike. And that was the end of the fight for me. He just, from then on, it was just a matter of, he was just landing his shots, knew the shots he needed to land, and just put him away towards the end of the first. Great performance by Soriano, really great performance, great patience. And yeah, heavy hitting kid as well, man. Like that guy throws fucking bombs. Um, but yeah, that was the main card, man. The main card was just sterling, absolutely great. Um, the prelim card on the other hand was it was all right. Don't get me wrong, I didn't mind it. A lot of decisions though. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail. Um, the two big takeaways I took took away from the decision uh, from the prelims were um, David Zawada versus uh, Ramazan Amiv. That I thought that was a fucking great fight. Real striker versus grappler, but with a lot of little exchanges on the feet. 
Really enjoyed that fight. So Wada, he was landing leg kicks early, and during the fight, definitely had a move hurt with leg kicks, but didn't really follow it up. He did like there was a couple of times where I was like, he'd end a combo. I was thinking, why is he not just fucking braining him with a leg kick at the end and backing off? Just keep slapping, keep chopping that fucking leg at the front. Um, I think on the other hand of that, a very accomplished fucking wrestler. You throw that leg kick and the catch it, you're getting put on your ass, quite frankly. Um, Carlos Felipe versus Justin Taffer was an absolute heavyweight slugfest war in which at one point they were literally head-to-head with the, leaning on each other, just throwing uppercuts and bombs at each other. It was a fucking great heavyweight fight. Thoroughly enjoyed that. They were my big takeaways from the prelims. Um, on the whole of things, loved the card. I thought it was a great card overall. Um, really enjoyed it. I think the highlight, obviously, is the likes of... Um, it was just Max Holloway, to be honest. He stole the show. Um, I've talked enough about it today, but, yeah, that was a highlight. If you've not watched it, go watch it, man. Just watch that main fight, that main, uh, main event fight. Take it in, enjoy it, and tell me afterwards that you're not a fan of fucking Max Holloway. Who is the greatest featherweight of, of, of all time, and why is it Max Holloway? Now, the next thing I want to talk about is um, the big announcement that got, um, for lack of a better word, announced this week. Um, that was uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov um, on Saturday night announced, well, it was Dana White was going to announce what was next for him, what he was going to do next. <sighs> I'm going to be honest, we're still in limbo. Now, it's a strange one. He's basically said, Khabib's came out and said, if someone impresses him on Saturday night, um, namely Connor versus Dustin or the core main event, which is Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler. If someone impresses him in one of those two fights, he'll come out and fight them. Now, the fun bit about this is I'm not mad at him for this. I'm actually not. Now, here's my little theory on this, right? No secret, Khabib hates Conor McGregor. So, if... Khabib had retired this week officially and handed the belt over. They would have 100%, they would have put a belt on. Um, they would have 100% put a belt on um, Con- the Connor versus Dustin fight. Therefore, giving Connor a chance to become champion again. Um, now, the other side to this is Khabib hasn't done this, so therefore he's going to pick whoever impresses him the most out of all four guys. Now, the way I look at this is, even if Connor wins on Saturday by, you know, dramatic fashion or dominant fashion, all Khabib has to do is pick one of Dan Hooker or Michael Chandler if they win in dominant fashion. Fucking over McGregor, basically. I like it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I like it. I think it's a it's a it's a fucking power player, to be honest. I think it's a very fucking crafty move by Khabib. Um it's a strange one though because yeah, I think Khabib out of all four would probably want to fight Michael Chandler stylistically. Um, he's already beat McGregor. He's already beat Poirier. Dan Hooker is an absolute striking machine. Great kickboxer. Um, but Michael Chandler is a former Bellator champion. He's, one of, he's arguably probably the best, best fighter um, bar Douglas Lima that Bellator have ever produced he's got great wrestling knockout power 
aggressive style, good striking. Like I say, great wrestling, which is a good point. So I think it's a great, um, I think that's the challenge out of all four for Khabib. Um, so yeah, but either way, I'm not mad at what Khabib's done in that, in the sense of things. But I do think it's a massive, I think he's doing it on purpose to hinder McGregor, really. Um, but yeah, it's a real weird one. Like, they said they were announcing it on Saturday night. Um... And I th I figured it was one of two things. He was even going to announce that he was fighting the winner of Poirier McGregor. He was going to announce another super fight. Maybe he was going to go and fight the winner of Usman and Burns. Or he was going to retire. It was it was a simple premise. And he's just stayed. He's kept everything in limbo. And he's 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 kept the ball. You know what I mean? He's, he's kept the ball in this situation, which I, I massively... I really respect. <laughs> I think... All right, fair enough. Like it's petty as fuck, but I just love the fact that it is one hundred percent fucked McGregor over for getting that title back. Because like, even if McGregor puts a great performance in on Saturday and knocks out Poirier, like Khabib doesn't have to pick him to fight. This is the beauty of it. It's be it's a beautiful situation. I love it. I think it's funny as fuck. But um, but yeah, hey, I'll I'll I'm I'm um yeah I'm a, I'm a Khabib fanboy at the end of the day. I, I, Got a lot of time for Khabib. I uh, very much admire, admire his fighting style. Admire, I think as a human being, he's fucking a great example of a, a, a real decent person. I really do. Um, I think he's, he's a great great um, ambassador for the sport. I think he's a great great example of of uh, hard work, dedication and grit when it comes to fighting. The guy's an absolute beast in every sense. Um, I, I'd love to see him come back and get that 30 you know. If he wants to, I think... If you get thirty and all, thirty wins, no defeats. I think it's a, it's a it's a statement for the ages. And what more can you say than that? Like, I mean, is, is he the greatest of all time? He maybe hasn't achieved some of the things that like Anderson or Jones or GSP has, but he's up there. When you look at the generation of fighters he's he's went through compared to those guys, he's had uh, he's destroyed an entire division slash well, not division, but he's definitely destroyed it his generation of fighters. Without a doubt, he did. Um, I think he's maybe the greatest of all time. Maybe. It's um, it's a hard debate. There's too many factors to just sit here and talk about on my own. Um, and everyone's got some fucking opinion about who is the greatest. But um, the fact that it's looking pretty promising that he's coming back for that 30, you know, I'm happy with that. I love watching that guy fight. I think he's, it's fucking destructive, dominant. It's awesome. I love it. Um, so yeah, I'd be curious to see, uh, it's all down to, well, we'll move on to, um, it, it brings us on nicely to the next subject, which is uh, this weekend's huge UFC card for 257. Now this weekend's card is, is, it has a lot of implication behind it, like I've just said there, it's pretty much down to the main and core main, one of these four gentlemen is going to get a title shot by the look of the things, by the look of things. One of these four men is going to fight Khabib. I'm, I'm saying by the look of things, like, this is what it looks like it's playing out. You know how things change overnight with this fucking industry, but let's start, man. Like, we got this rematch between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor was massive. Both of them fought, what, maybe, I think it was like six years ago or something like that, in which uh, McGregor knocked out Poirier in the first round at featherweight. Both guys were up and coming. Both guys were fresh. They were young. 
Um, Dustin Poirier now is t- ten, 10 times the fighter he was back then. I think every part of that guy's game has fucking improved in one way or another. We've seen him knock more people out than sub them, which is something to take take into consideration. McGregor, this time round in this fight, looks in the best shape I've ever seen him. He looks motivated. He looks his mindset looks terrifying. Like he looks like he's so focused and like that old mentality where McGregor came in and you know what I mean? He had that I am the greatest mentality. He wanted to be the greatest. This is a fucking hell of a tough fight for McGregor and Poirier. There's a lot on the line for this. A lot on the line. Especially when it comes to rematches. It's been a weird one because I think I've watched I've watched a lot of the media over the last sort of 10 days. And at the start, Poirier looked quite tentative to talk about the old fight, the last fight they had. And in this last couple of days, I've watched interviews where he seemed a lot more at ease about talking about it, which I think is a, a, it's changed. 10 days ago I watched interviews with him and I was like, that's got to play on your mind. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. If you're fighting someone you've already fought and they knocked you out in the first round in your first fight with them, that's got to play on your head a bit and you've got to think, fuck. Poirier now is not the same fighter he was back then. Is McGregor? Maybe. But McGregor's that good at what he does. I don't think he's had to improve in a lot of senses if that makes sense. I don't think he's had to improve his striking, really. His striking's top-notch. Like, it's, he's arguably one of the best strikers the UFC's ever seen. Not just, and it's not, he, as much as people say he's just a left hand, he's way more than that when it comes to his striking. I watched Dan Hardy break down a few of McGregor's fights the other week, and the way Dan Hardy described it opened my eyes dramatically to his style of how he sets people up for that left-hand cross. Amazing. Like the guy is cerebral when it comes to his striking. And on top of that, he does have that absolute missile of a left hand that just KOs people. Um it's a tough one. It's a tough one to sort of grasp and, and throw a pick out there. Um it's I mean I'm I'm probably gonna say here the same thing that every other fucker's saying this week. If McGregor might get Poirier out of there in the first round with a big shot. He really might. I think McGregor can KO anyone in that first round in any division he fights in. Um, but I'll say it now, Poirier has a habit of coming back and swarming people. Like that man, that man is tough as fuck. He's a heavy, he's a big guy from lightweight, deceivingly big. Um, Dan Hooker talked about it this week where for Dan Hooker and Dustin Poirier's fight on the fight, the night of the fight they had, Poirier weighed in at 183 on the actual night of the fight. So in 30-odd hours, he went from 155 to 183 overnight, basically. So is a big boy. Like, I think um, in sense of size, though, Conor McGregor looks bigger than I've ever seen him, and he's fighting at lightweight. I've seen him fight at welterweight, but he looks big. He looks muscled. He, looked, he looks in very fucking good nick. The muscle and size he's got on him, how much is that going to hinder him in those later rounds, though? Like, don't get me wrong, I'm talking about as if he's not thought about this or if he's not, um, as if he's not climatized himself to this. Don't get me wrong. But I I know it's a, it's a very simple way to say it, but I think if Connor doesn't get Dustin out there in that first or second round, Dustin is going to fucking swarm him 
and he's going to overwhelm him, if not take him down and sub him. I reckon if McGregor doesn't get a finish in that first round, I think Poirier probably finishes him via whether it be TKO or whether it be submission in probably the fourth round. That's my that's my guess at it. It's a, it's it's those two options for me. I really don't see this fight being a, uh, you know a back and forth five rounder. I might be wrong, you know, after things have happened, but that's how I see it going. I think Poirier, I think Poirier wins this fight. Um, I've opened myself up for, for a lot of shit this week in various group chats, chatting shit about this, giving the McGregor fan shit, but. I do think Dustin, I think Dustin takes it. I really do. Fourth round, I'm, I'll call me Mystic, Mystic Al. I'm going for fourth round, sub slash TKO. I think sub, I really do. I think he'll sub him in about the fourth round. Poirier's got good wrestling. He's got very good jiu-jitsu. His boxing's good. It's interesting, man. It, but I'll, you know what? I'll take the flak next week. I'll take the shit. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes, man. Um, the co-main though, the co-main event, like another lightweight, absolute lightweight clash. Dan Hooker welcoming uh, Michael Chandler to the UFC, finally. Dan Hooker is a fucking mainstay lightweight, former featherweight, um, real, real good kickboxer, tough as fuck, tough, gritty, yeah, like, great guy, I love Dan Hooker, gives a bit of shit as well, which is always funny. But Michael Chandler is a specimen of an athlete, man. Like, this guy has great wrestling, great knockout power, aggressive, real aggressive style in your face. Has had some absolute wars with former UFC champions like Eddie Alvarez before he came to the UFC. Um, he's knocked out Benson Henderson, who's a former UFC champion. He's he's a destroyer, man. He's a real destroyer on the right night. He's, he's always been, for a long time, he's been the best lightweight outside the UFC for a long, long time. Um... Yeah, I, personally, I think I think Chandler Chandler's got the ability to knock anyone out. Dan Hooker's got the ability to make you fucking pay for it. Um, I think Chandler wrestle fucks him a bit. I think re, I think that's a, that's his he's got to go in there with that game plan. You stand with Dan Hooker, he'll he will fuck you up with something fucking flashy like some knee up the middle, elbows, kicks, punches. The guy's got an arsenal of fucking strikes and he's tough as fuck to put away um i think chandler's got to get in there pressure him get him against that cage wrestle him get him down might he probably won't be able to hold him down there for long but at least the wrestling will probably hopefully set up his heaviest strikes and he might very well uh i don't think going in there and having a fucking gunfight a fucking stand-up war with dan hook is the best plan for him hook has fought the best and he's tough as fuck. For me, Chandler's winning this fight. He's got to use his wrestling to set up those heavy shots. Heavy overhands, heavy hooks, heavy body shots. Fake the takedown, go over the top and land heavy. That's that's for me. That's what Chandler's got to go in there and do. Um, but yeah, one of these four men is going to fight Khabib by the look of it. I think it's going to be... I think if Chandler beats Hooker dominantly, I think Chandler gets that shot. I really do. That's how I see it playing out. I don't think Khabib's got anything to prove by beating Dustin O'Connor again. I think Dan Hooker, I think, just doesn't have the wrestling capabilities or subs to really stop Khabib. I just don't. Could Dan Hooker strike with Khabib? 100%. He could have a 
Dan Hooker could probably pick Khabib apart on the feet in the right situation, but at the same time, nah. I think I think I think if out of all of these lot to get a dominant performance, I think if Chandler gets a dominant performance, I think Chandler fights Khabib. I really do. That's just my take on it. I might be fucking way off with that, but yeah. Um, it's interesting though, man. It's, it's such a fucking dynamic moment in, in the UFC at the moment. It really is. It's, it's fucking really, really fucking diverse what's going on. I love it. I love what's happening at the minute. This card's huge. It's just got made even bigger by Khabib's announcement. As much as we're all in a bit of limbo because we're not sure, I'm pretty fucking con- I'm pretty fucking confident that he's going to pick one of these four and he's going to pick Chandler. That's that's my take, but Dan Hooker might ruin my entire fucking theory on that. Honestly. Um, but yeah, uh, next fight on the card, though, is a fucking bar- a women's barn burner, this. I guarantee it. Women's flyweight fight. Jessica I, former title contender against Joanne Calderwood, who missed out on her title shot due to taking a fight in between. Joanne Calderwood is a fucking... Soft-spoken little Scottish girl, but she will fuck you up with Thai boxing. Great striker, really good striker. Uh, Jessica I, gritty, in-your-face fighter, fought a lot of bantamweight. Um, has really looked good at, jet, at, uh, at flyweight. Both of these girls, one coming off a title shot, one missing out on a title shot. It's a perfect fight for them. It really is. Uh, we've got uh, Matt Frivola, great fighter against uh, Otman Azatare. That should be a great fight, really competitive fight. You got my uh, one of my breakthrough stars last year was uh, Amanda Hebus versus uh, Marina Rodriguez. Big fan of Amanda Hebus. Uh, Amanda Hebus is fucking sick, man. Like she's she's an awesome character for the sport. Very fucking good fighter, underrated fighter for that matter. Um, so yeah, the main card's fucking awesome this weekend, man. And then even the prelims, the prelims are fucking fun as fuck. You've got uh, Armin. Can't pronounce his, I can't pronounce either one of these guys' second names, but I've, I've watched both of them fight before. Armin Sarukian. Armin Sarukian. Right, we'll go with that. I watched this guy fight not long ago. It looked really good. And uh, Nazrat um, Hakarast. This guy basically looks like a mini version of Kelvin Gaslam. If you know who I mean, you'll know who I'm on about. But really good fighter, great knockout artist. Um... Yeah, both those two guys should be a good fight. Got um, two veterans in Brad Tavares versus uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. Very much striker versus jiu-jitsu guy, in my opinion, for that fight. That should be really interesting. Um, Juliana Pena versus Sarah McMahon. Another two veterans of the women's bantamweight division. I think that'll be a fun fight. Both really good wrestlers. Both really good grapplers. That Hopefully that nullifies each other and they just stand and bang it out. Uh, Khalil Roundtree's coming back out of retirement to fight uh, Marcin Prashino. Prashino. Uh, Khalil Roundtree's a beast on his right night. He really is. He's got some really great Thai boxing. Spent a lot of time in Thailand. His Thai boxing's terrifying on the right night. What, go watch his fight against Eric Anders, man. Like He absolutely Thai boxed the shit out of Eric Anders. And then we've got early prelims on that night as well, on free on Fight Pass. We've got uh, Andrew Sanchez against uh, Mahmoud Muradov. Andrew Sanchez is coming off a big KO from last year, I believe. Uh, we've got uh, UFC veteran Nick Lentz against uh, Movsar Evloev. Uh, I've watched Evloev a few times, really good wrestler. Uh, Nick Lentz is also a really good wrestler. 
Nick Lentz is tough as fucking a veteran, so that's an interesting fight as well. Yeah, um, that whole card's going to be mint, man. Like, I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, obviously, we've got the big the big question is how does the uh, main and core main go? Um, to be told, I'm I'm actually I'm off at the weekend to watch this. I don't think I'm going to stay up and watch it, but we'll see how it goes on the night. I might I might very well just uh, go internet and phone silent on Saturday night and watch it on Sunday morning when I get up. We'll see though. We'll see. Either way, I'll be uh, hopefully with any da- with any luck getting this show recorded probably on the Monday, and I uh, get it out for Monday night. Well, uh, yeah, it's a great card, man. A lot of implication behind the main and co-main. Um, a lot of fun fights as well. I don't think there's a bad fight on this card. Every every fight looks exciting. It looks interesting. Uh, yeah. Game, really game to watch this card, like really looking forward to it. Now, the last subject I want to talk about today is we finally seem to have some confirmation on a date for um, welterweight champion Kamaru Usman uh, defend his title against um, welterweight challenger Gilbert Burns. Um, UFC 258 is looking like that's going to headline that in February which is a fucking hell of a fight, man. Like, this is a hell of a fight. I think it's it's about time this happened. It's been put off too many times. Obviously, uh, it was meant to be Usman Burns last year, then Burns um, withdrew. Obviously, Masvidal took the fight on short, um, short notice and got decisioned by Usman. Cameron Usman's a beast. Gilbert Burns is a fucking destroyer as well. Burns has looked like a whole new fighter at welterweight. Um... He's looked damn good, especially, he, I think he's about, I think he's like 4-0, and oh, something like that, maybe even 5-0, and oh, welterweight, um, former lightweight fighter, um, the guy has got unbelievably good jiu-jitsu, he's found, really found his step with his striking as well, um, he got a great, will it have been last year, last year he got a great knockout over Damian Meyer, and obviously a, a dominant, uh, dominant, very dominant win over former champion Tyron Woodley. So yeah, it's interesting, man. Very interesting fight. I'm, I'm so glad to have that fight finally happening. Um, yeah, uh, me and uh, me and friend of mine, former guest on the show, Martin Gordon, aka Marv. Me and him have had a lot of back and forth about this fight. We're at loggerheads about it. So um, I think it's only the right thing to do. I'm going to try and get him on the show and come on. And he's a big Gilbert Burns fan, and we're going to. I think we're going to have a little debate over over who takes it. It's a, it's a tough fight, it honestly is. I'll say that now. As much as I wind Marv up about Usman crushing Burns, I don't think it's going to be that easy. I really don't. I think it's a very fucking close fight, that one. Um, but yeah, it's great to see that get announced. Also, while we're on the subject, between now and March, we have got literally uh, one, two, three, four, five. We've got six title fights in the next two months. It's amazing, man. We've got an amazing lineup of title fights. We've got Usman versus Burns, February 13th. We've got Blackowitz versus Adesanya, Nunes versus Anderson, and Yan versus Sterling, all on March 6th. Then we've got Miocic versus Nganu and Volkanovski versus Ortega, both on March 27th. It is a fucking busy couple of months for the champions. Um... How many of these guys keep the titles? I don't know. These are every one of these fights is pretty closely contested. Um, it's a lot of uh, flicker coin, 
Like it really is. Like toss a coin on half of these fights. I have no idea, man. It's it's fucking madness. Absolutely madness. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an awesome couple of months for title fights. It's about time we've seen some t- titles get defended. Um, I think this year, with obviously still in quarantine and stuff like that, I think a lot of guys and girls can really make rooms for titles. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, really make rooms for titles. Um, due to a lot of people being inactive, I think it's I think it's the time to go for it. I really do. It's great though. Um, absolutely great couple of months of uh, fights coming up. So yeah, um, I'm going to call it there for today. Um, thoroughly enjoyed today's show. I think there's been a lot to talk about, a lot to fucking take away from. Um, a lot of implications over Max Holloway's win at the weekend and even bigger implications coming up this weekend on Saturday. Really looking forward to doing next week's show um, and talking about the outcome of this weekend, man. Um, I'm calling it now. I think Proyer fourth round, Chandler by decision. Um, yeah, you can quote me on that. We'll come back next week and we'll see if I was right. If I wasn't right, I'm in for an absolute abundance of shit off pretty much every one of my mates who are McGregor fans. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, guys, take care of yourselves. Look after yourselves. Uh, stay safe. Um, obviously, we're all still in this lockdown shit, but, you know, keep in touch with, the, with your friends, man. Make sure you're talking to people. Make sure, you, make sure you're behaving yourself. Don't be running around partying and socialising too much, though. Don't be socialising too much. But yeah, uh, all jokes aside, though, look after yourselves. Behave yourselves. Um, see you next week. And massive thank you to JMA Radio, Timmy's Bar and Kitchen, all the DJs on jmaradio.co.uk. Um, also, go on uh, SoundCloud. There's a load of mixes by the DJs on there. I think I've got a couple of playlists on there as well with my podcast. Um, yeah, go check all that out. Oh, yeah, go all, do all that good stuff. Um, yeah, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.